Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about enduring temptation. So if you're at James chapter 1, just let me know. Say amen. Amen. All right. Blessed is the man or woman who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. <clears throat> but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd get me out of the way. You'd do what you do best and teach your people today. Feed your flock. Lord, in spite of me, God, you do that every day. I pray that you do it one more time and you'll get all the glory, not me. Thank you, Lord. For your Holy Spirit that moves in this place, I pray that by your will, we would be better Christians, better servants of you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, by whom we have authority to even come before you. Amen. So I'm not asking for a show of hands, but how many of you have endured temptation? Not one of us is omitted from that. Each one of us has that sin that came to mind when we read this passage. Some of us may have more than one. I'm telling you guys, the battle with sin will not be over until the day we're perfected when we are with Christ and we are like Him. When we finally get rid of this old flesh that falls apart and breaks down so easily. Not until then will we be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. My friends, blessed are you when you endure temptation. For you will receive a crown of life. We were singing yesterday a song about that when we trade in that old cross for a crown. I'm telling you, we cling to that old rugged cross and we're going to exchange it one day for a crown. And I said at the end, I can't help it. When I get that old crown, I'm going to take it right off my head and I'm going to put it back at the feet of Jesus because I know that I haven't done anything. I have not done a thing to deserve it. 
What good that there is in me is solely God. Reread it already this morning. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from Him. I have nothing good in myself. And by myself, I am worth nothing. It's, it's not until we come to that place. It's not until we come to the place in our life where we realize where we stand without Christ. That's why it fits in perfect context with when he's talking about the lowly brother glorying in his exaltation and the rich glorying in their bringing down low. Right? God allows us to go through these things in order to realize who we are and what it all boils down to. I'll give you a spoiler. It all boils down to we are desperately dependent on God. Just as Asher cannot survive without somebody taking care of him, we cannot survive without our God. He's our primary caregiver. It's so easy, my friends. Like verse 13 said, to, to blame somebody for our sin. We're quick to do that, aren't we? Oh, the devil tempted me. Right? We fall into sin, the first thing we think of when we come to repent. I hate that old devil. At least that's the way I am. That stupid devil, he led me astray, God. You know we're just the exact same argument as Adam and Eve had in the garden. God, why did you let this serpent in here in the first place? You know what the serpent did? He already knew the name of the game. He said, yep, that's me. I did it. He didn't blame anybody else. Us humans, we love doing that. Hey, it's his fault. It was her fault. Well, James makes it very clear. It ain't God. It ain't Satan. It's you. And I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. I didn't like hearing it the first time I read it. I still don't like hearing it. Because you know what that tells me? That tells me, Corbin, <laughs> you might think you are spiritual, you might think you're some hot stuff because you're studying the Bible every day and, and preaching before a congregation, but you're just as bad, if not worse, than anybody else in here. You know what that does to me? It teaches me who I am before Christ. Oh, wretched man that I am. I'm not worthy of anything that He has given me, but praise God, He gets the glory when we're in that state of mind. It's not me that's doing any of this. It's not of me. Every good thing that's in me is all God. And I know that with every ounce of my being, every fiber that I have. 
if I allow myself to go, I will just go after the lust of my flesh. The desires of the flesh will win without Christ. My friends, the only hope that we have in overcoming temptation is Christ. More of Him. There have been many times in my life where I've reached a place in my sin, and this is a scary place to be, of feeling guiltless in my sin. And I'm not saying I wasn't saved, but I felt guilt-free. Oh, God will take care of it. Right? We talked about that too, huh? We talked about that when we were talking about Job and his kids. Ah, daddy will take care of it. He made his sacrifice. We're clean. We're good. That's not how it works. We talked about this morning, faith in God and faithfulness to him is what he desires. Guys, what we have to realize firstly is where we stand before God. I'm helpless. I'm a wretch. I had a shirt when that, that quotes the song Amazing Grace. It says, I'm the wretch that song refers to. He saved a wretch like me. Guys, I'm not perfect. I'd venture to say I'm not that much of a role model to look up to. But I know who is. If there's anything you can learn from my life, if there's anything that you want to look up to me for, look up to me for this, that I know that I am nothing without Christ. I have nothing. Look to Him. Because I'm telling you, when I fail, there's nobody else to run to. When people fail me, there was, there was a place in my life, and I'm, I may just share it with you. There was a time in my life, I remember, I'll never forget that time in my life. I was 17, going to turn 18 that year. I was riding my bike down a hill on the way to do some sin. And I had an accident. Thank God gave me that. I had an accident on my bike. When I came to, I finally realized where I was. I ran to the one person I thought was going to help me out and she didn't give a crap about me. Sorry, I said that from the pulpit. How about that? My apologies. She didn't care about me. I left that place at her house feeling like I 
wasn't worth much. I ran to the only one that I knew would care. And what did I do? I was complaining. I was doing it wrong. I wasn't doing it right. God, why did you let this happen to me? And he said, look at where you're at. <laughs> Don't blame me for the shape that you're in. Look at you. At least you're talking to me now, son. Sometimes that's what it takes. It ain't God that does the tempting, but he sure will expound on it and let you know, hey, look at the shape you got yourself into. Are you done yet? Are you ready to trust me now? Asher, you fell off the couch for the fifth time. Are you finally ready to learn your lesson when I say, hey, don't do that? That's probably a good idea. Corbin, how many times are you going to have to fall before you realize that you need me? My friend, how many times are you going to fall before you realize that without God, it's just going to keep on happening again? It might happen different ways and different times of different methods or different things that are happening. But every time without Christ, you will fall. No amount of money is going to fix it. No amount of alcohol is going to fix it. No amount of, of women or men is going to fix it. Nothing will work except God. Some people, I talked to a guy the other day. He said it took me 30 years to realize that I needed God. He said, don't try the world, son. I said, don't worry, sir. I had my taste of that. I said, it took me about two years of that to realize I needed God. He said, well, you did better than me. It took me 30 years. I credit not myself, but my mama and my godly family for that. It wasn't me. I got prayed out of that mess. My time of rebellion was short-lived, and I'm grateful for it. But here's the thing, guys. No matter how long it takes, if it takes you 10 years, 2 years, 50 years, you'll come to the conclusion that apart from Christ, nothing's going to work to fulfill that void that you feel, that emptiness that you feel in your heart. Nothing. The temptation to sin does not come from God. Do not be deceived. It comes from you. It comes from me. It comes from ourself, our flesh. We're led away by our own desires. And if we come to that realization, understand, who am I? When we come to God with a, a sense of pride and arrogance like many people do today, as if God owes you something. It's not going to work. 
we got to come to God realizing, who am I? A humble servant. I'm nobody. Apart from Christ, I'm nothing. My righteousness, the best I got, according to the prophet said, I'm as filthy rags. My righteousness is as filthy rags. And the filthy rags that he's referring to is grave cloths. Y'all remember the story of Lazarus as he was raised from the dead? The grave cloths, that's what he's talking about. Those cloths that they had to take off of his eyes so that he could see and his mouth so he could speak. Those were unclean. The people that did that, they took those cloths off of him, were unclean until sundown for the rest of the day. The best that we have is that filthiness. That guy had been buried four days. I can't imagine. Uh, God, I don't... Jesus, I don't think I want to. I don't want to take them things off. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. What we think is unclean, God can do something with. But we think we don't want to touch it. God can use it. But we have to come to it as this realization and understanding who we are. Where I stand before Christ. I'm nothing. Of his own will. He wanted to. When we come to God in that mindset, boy, it makes a difference, doesn't it? When we look at him and and he says, come here. Me? You want me? Me. Come here. He decided he wants you. And he wants me to be a part of this kingdom called the kingdom of God. By his word of truth, he's called us out of a place of darkness into the light. He's called us out of this worthless pit that we live in, and he's called us out of it. Therefore, what? Therefore, now that he's cleaned you up, I'm going to go back out there to the mud, Lord. I know you're going to clean me up when I get back. No, not to run back to it. 
but to stand and compel the ones that are still out there and say, hey, you don't have to be living in this. You don't have to be wallowing in despair and depression and discomfort and misery with an emptiness in your soul that you can't fill. You don't have to be there. You can come out and be clean. God can take from you your heart of stone that desires nothing but wickedness. And he can put a new heart in you that desires goodness and truth and and love and the things of God. Let him. What good is a life preserver out <laughs> tossed out into the water if you don't grab onto it? Our faith is what does that. Salvation in the gospel is truth, and he throws that life preserver out to us, but what our job is, what our need is, what what holds fast to it is that we hold on with our faith knowing that when we reach the shore, we will receive the reward of a saved life. That's why we call it being saved. We are saved from the wrath to come. We're saved from the undertow, which is death. And we're brought out into life. We receive the end of our faith. If you are holding on to that and then you let go, what good is it? Hold on to the faith. Trusting that God will deliver you. He may have to pull you through some things you don't much care for. In order to reach the other side. We talked about the disciples. They were on this boat and he, he was being, Jesus was being pressed by the crowd and he said, well, you got to get out of here. Let's go this way and get into the boat and go across to the other side of the shore and uh, get away from this crowd. Why? Because he was exhausted. And there's storm. God gave him a storm so that he could rest. And the disciples got scared to death. One of these days I'll have enough faith to rest in the storm. And we don't want to get carried away with this thing saying, you know, that... uh, just because we don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't come from God. Now that's not the case. Now God will spank you. We spank in our family. I don't know if you do. But Asher gets a spanking. We're starting him young. If he disobeys or disrespects us, he gets a spanking. If we disobey and we disrespect God, he says, I'm going to spank you. Now, we might not think that's good, but it's good. So just because every good and perfect gift, people use that verse, every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights. We we use that 
to say, oh, well, well, I'm going through a storm right now, and I know that ain't from God. That's the devil tormenting me. And uh, Well, you know, I, I, uh, no, sometimes God's letting you feel it. Sometimes God's spanking you. It's up to us to listen to him when he does that, right? Because if he's not spanking you, you're not his kid. Talked about that in Hebrews chapter 12. If he's not spanking you, you got some problems. So just because every good and perfect gift comes down from above doesn't mean you're not going to go through some pain or trials. Doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted either. Because we still got flesh. Still got this robe of flesh on. And we're still led astray by those desires. But what we do, instead of running to that sin or that thing that so easily besets us, what do we do? You can do something as simple as saying, God, I don't want it, help me. I don't want it. Lift me out of this pit that I've found myself in. Lord, I'm sorry. And he'll do it. If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. We also have a website. Check us out at westendfwbchurch.com.